At the beginning of winter, amazing, beginning of June, just after our anniversary, we started our, our winter series, um, which we do every year. Um, and um, this year we started our series in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Um, the Proverbs was a book that gives us a whole bunch of short statements of advice and wisdom. And, and that's been the key word in this series of Proverbs is this, is this word wisdom. And right from the beginning, we let the, 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 the scriptures define what wisdom was. And, and the, the definition comes from Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And this has been the underlying message of our whole series, uh, that the starting point of wisdom, the starting point of wisdom is not worldly intelligence. It's not your IQ, your EQ, your NQ. It's, It's not how many degrees you have. It's not about your education. But the starting point of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, the respect and reverence and acknowledgement of God. That is the beginning point of wisdom. Proverbs looked at a whole bunch of different areas of our lives. Very practical areas, um, pride, adultery, friendship, family, greed, work, anger. And last week we looked at the topic of self-control. But within each of these topics, and there are many, many more topics as well, but within each of these topics the foundation was this, that there is a wise way to approach that topic, there is a wise way to approach life, and there is a foolish way to approach life. And the difference between wisdom and foolishness was determined in whether we fear God, whether we consider God's thoughts and his desires, or we ignore God and we live for ourselves. And this has been the contrast between wisdom and foolishness. And the the book of Proverbs will tell us, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom in all areas of your life because that will be good for you. So that's pretty much the summation of the book of Proverbs. To conclude tonight, I wanted to finish with this question. Sometimes we we read, especially books of the Old Testament, and they're great. We learn a lot of things about God and about the world and about us. But sometimes we lack the connection of how do we make, how do we apply that scripture that is the living word of God into our day-to-day life. And as much as the Proverbs have been very practical, the question is this, what is the wisest thing that we can do with our lives right now? How can we live our lives right now in the way of wisdom? If we ever think about the world that we live in, uh, we are now eight weeks into lockdown here in New South Wales, in Australia, because of a global pandemic. And I checked some numbers. Uh, A a global pandemic that has killed over 4.3 million people globally. And and we all know that that's uh, not the whole number as well. Um, if you 
were uh, watching the news or, or reading the news, um, Afghanistan has been a hot topic. Um, all the uh, external forces left and, and now it is uh, under the rule of the Taliban. It, it was very confronting, especially the scenes at the airport where people are risking their lives to escape um, and literally they would rather risk their life hanging onto an aeroplane than stay. And, and, and so we ask ourselves, in a world that we live in, what's the wisest thing we can do? What's the wisest thing we can do? And we go to our main passage for today, and it's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. And it reads this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. This is a, a wonderful verse. This is a, personally one of my favorite uh, verses, if anything, one of my life verses, because it, it teaches me and it reminds me how I'm meant to live my life. It doesn't matter what situation or, or how old I am. Um, actually, it's funny. I, I have a key ring um, that was given to me whoa, 18 years ago. Um, and it was given to me, <laughs> funny story, it was given to me by um, some leaders that I was leading. Um, we were doing some high school ministry together. And, um, and they actually engraved this verse, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, into that key ring. Um, the backstory is one of the girls that was one of the leaders, um, she, she, she thought I was really cute. And um, I'm not sure if that's the reason why she gave uh, me this present. But the good news is, guys, that cute girl became my wife. Okay, so, you know, very, very good. Well done. <laughs> Funny story. That's, a, that's actually, if I think about it, that's the first gift my, my wife gave to me. Isn't that wonderful? You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Steve, you idiot. You know, like she knew. It's like she knew me before she knew me, you know. Um, you know, these, this verse gives me clear guidelines on how I should be living my life and, and how I should be pursuing a life of wisdom and not foolishness. But I want to show you tonight that the best thing that we can do, the wisest thing that we can do right now Regardless of where you're listening to this from, regardless of your season in life, regardless of, of you know, whether you're working, you're a mum, whether you're a, you're a high school student, regardless of your situation, that the wisest thing that you can do now is to follow these verses and all these verses of wisdom lead to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel, the word gospel simply means good news. So what I'm saying is that the wisest thing that we can do in our lives is to accept, believe, and live out the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
And so tonight, as we finish up our journey in the Proverbs around wisdom and ask ourselves what the best and the wisest thing uh, that we can do in our lives, that's going to end at the gospel. And I want us to spend some time marrying wisdom and the gospel tonight. Just because one's in the Old and one's in the New Testament doesn't mean that they're irrelevant to each other. I want to show you tonight how they intertwine with each other. And the second passage we're going to go to is actually in Ephesians chapter, t- uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. And there are three parts to this passage um, that, that we need to understand about the gospel, about us and about the world. The first part is titled, This is You. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, meaning deserving of death. The first part of the gospel that we need to understand is who we are, our reality. See, the most foolish thing, the most foolish way to live your life is to not know who you are. To have no, none or little self-awareness awareness, awareness <laughs> to have little self-awareness you would call them foolish you know some people live in a bubble some of you who are listening to me right now you live in a bubble and I promise you for the ones that do you probably thought to yourself yeah 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 that other person right some of you live in a bubble. Some people in this world, a lot of people live in this world, they live in a bubble that is, uh, that is making them unaware of their own reality. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they really are. One of the best examples of this is this new generation of kids, of teenagers that are all over social media, all over YouTube, all over TikTok, They're singing up a storm. Uh, So you think you can dance. They're turning up to all these auditions, trying to get as much likes and follows. And and, and yet no one has had the guts to tell them, dude, you suck. They live in this bubble and they don't know their own reality. But friends, Scripture tells us of our reality, of who we are, and whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, this is the Word of God, and it tells us that we were once spiritually dead. The word sin is used a lot in Scripture, and and sometimes we think the word sin means like bad thing or evil thing, but actually the word sin means to miss the mark. It's actually a a term that can be used in archery. 
So, so you know, when the archer is shooting the arrow, you know, you, you're going for the bullseye, which is the smallest part of the target. And when you miss that, that's actually sin. See, God created man. God created man to be in perfect relationship with him. And yet Adam and Eve sinned. They missed the mark of what God's initial creation was meant to be, the purpose of their life. They missed the mark of God. And because of that sin, and we call that the original sin, we, descendants, every human kind, every human, is sinful by nature. We are born sinful. Now, there is an opposite to this, not an opposite, but a a different view to this called humanism, which is a term that believes that man, when they were born, they have a little bit of goodness inside of them, or they have a lot of goodness inside of them, and depending on how they grow up and depending on their actions and their achievements um, and their decisions, they will either become better in terms of their goodness or their morality, or they lose that goodness. But the Bible, the scriptures will tell us that that is an absolute lie. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no exception to that. And I know some of you that I've met and we've talked about this, you know who who I'm talking about. I'm talking to you. You know, we want to believe that people are good. We want to believe that, that people deep down inside, because they had a hard, you know, because they had a hard upbringing or, or trauma in their life, that's what made them evil and that's what made them sinful and that's what made them bad. But the scriptures tell us, no, that's not the case. Because of sin, because of original sin of Adam and Eve and that came through the descendancy of, of who we are as humans, we are all sinful. Our nature is sinful. You know, parents will know this. Parents will know that we are born sinful. You know what's interesting? You don't have to teach a child how to sin. You don't have to teach a child how to be disobedient. You don't have to teach a child how to steal and lie. You don't have to teach a child to be violent. On the contrary, it's the opposite that you need to teach them. Why? Because By nature, by nature, we are sinful. Parents will know this the best. Children are sinful human beings. And it's because of this sinful nature and the sin that exists inside of us without us even having to do anything. It's because of this sin that we are spiritually dead. We are cut off from the Holy God. And it's not we're just bad. And 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 I think in, in fifteen odd years of ministry and preaching, I think one of the best points that I've heard and they make all over and over again. Sin does not make you bad. Sin makes you spiritually dead. See, listen to the Proverbs, right? Proverbs 3, 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun 
evil. Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Let me ask you, when's the last time you followed the instructions or followed the the modeling of a dead person and it ended well for you? Right? Imagine you got invited to dinner, right? And there's a table of 10. And there's 10 people sitting at the table and they all order a meal. And during that meal, one person just dies because of what they ate. Right? Everyone's just eating. Just You have to use your imagination. Right? Everyone's just eating. And then someone just orders, you know, most likely, okay, I don't like to admit this, but most likely it probably wasn't the vegetarian. <laughs> the vegetarians are probably still alive, okay? I'm just saying. Right, But there's this 10 people and one person dies because of the meal that they ate. And then you turn up, right? You turn up and there's nine people around the table eating their food and there's one dead person on the floor and, and the waiter comes to you and says, excuse me, sir, what would you like to eat? What, would, what meal would you like? Surely you're not going to choose the meal of the dead person. Because you go, wow, that didn't really end too good for them. But that's what it means to trust yourself. That's what it means to to follow your own desires. Because you are dead. You are a spiritually dead person leading yourself to where? The only place you can lead yourself is death. And that's what it means in Proverbs 3, 5. Lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because you are spiritually dead because of your sin. And the best advice you can give yourself is just going to end with you in a coffin quicker. That's who we are. That's our reality. Now, you may be offended. And that's okay. Okay, feel free to just rant in the chat section. I'll let everyone else in the chat just work that out. Pastor May should be on there. She'll, she'll give you a, a virtual hug, okay? But I'm sorry, that's, that's the reality that Scripture tells us, that because of our sinful nature, we are spiritually dead. And for us to listen to ourselves and our own advice, you are literally blind leading the blind. That's who we are. But the second part of the gospel is this. This is God. Ephesians 2, chapter 4 to 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression, which is another word for sin. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show us He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The first part of the gospel is understanding our reality, but the second part of the gospel is understanding God's reality, who God is and what God has done for us. What did God do? He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin. Right? Verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms 
in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God saves us. He saves us through sending his son Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sin. The death that we deserve, right? The wrath that we deserve, the punishment we deserve because of our sinfulness, our sinful nature and our sinful action, God sends his son Jesus to die on the cross, the death and the penalty that you deserve. Right? That's what God did. Right? That's what God did. That, that's, not for, that's not necessarily for discussion because that's just what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says that God did. He saved sinful man through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. But the question is, why did he do this? Why did God do this? Why did God sacrifice his one and only son? And it's, the answer is, it's God's reality. It's, this is who God is. Because of his great love for us. That's verse 4. Because of his great love for us. If you don't know anything about God, God the creator, God the protector, God the controller, the one thing that you need to know, the starting point of getting to know who God is, is is that God is love. That's God's reality. That's who God is. And his reality is that he loves so much his creation. That even though creation was broken and even though creation rebelled against its creator, because of his love, he sacrificed his one and only son, Jesus, for you, for the redemption of humanity. This is the extent of his love. And we see this in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You want to know how much God loves you? Nothing. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing. God will pursue you with his love, with everything that he has, and he has. You know, so many times we are yeah, we, we get stuck with this one. And, and the most common one is this. How can God love me when I'm such a rat bag? If God knew what I've done in my life, or if, if I'm so far away from God, how could God love me? But that's your reality. The focus still is still on you. You've got to ask the question, why would God do that? Well, you've got to ask God. And the, and the answer is, Scripture tells us, because God is love. He loves you regardless of, of what you've done and, and, and what you're doing now and even in the future. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And that's not because every single person would believe and, and become a Christian. That's so that every single can believe. And God hopes that they would become a Christian and come back to him. Friends, you want to know what it means for God to make our paths straight? 
It's to take us off the path of spiritual and eternal death and damnation and lead us back to Him for all eternity. That's what it means when it says, God will make your path straight in Proverbs. It's to be raised up and seated on the heavenly realm because this is where the wise path leads. That's God's reality. So if the first section was our reality of who we are, and the second section is God's reality of who God is, the third part of the gospel is this. It's to choose wisely. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Dead in our sin but made alive in Jesus Christ. That's the story. And it's got nothing to do with our actions because at the end of the day, dead people can't make themselves alive. Dead people can't lead other people to life. If you're dead, you're dead. That's deep. Someone put that on their Instagram right now. If you're dead, you're dead. And yet scripture tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart, in all your ways, submit to him. Why? Because he has given you this eternal life. Because he's the one that created you to do the good works. Because he knows what future lies ahead in front of you. And we trust him. We trust him with our lives. We trust him with our future. We trust him with our salvation. Is that not the wisest thing to do? Instead of the blind leading the blind, instead of you trying to make your life whatever it is, isn't it smarter and wiser to entrust your life in God's hands who already knows? Considering that it's only through God that there is a path to righteousness and eternal life, isn't that the wisest thing to do? But the problem is, people try to make good with their lives. And as much as they might not uh, admit that there is uh, the element of humanism inside of them, that's what it is. It's not even humanism. They have selfism. It's like, I can do good. I can be good. If I do charity, I can be good. If If I do good things in my life, then I can impress God. I can earn my way to heaven. And so what do they do? They try to live uh, by, by gaining brownie points. They try to live a moral life, a humanly pleasing life. And, and we justify this by thinking, I can do this. I can make my life and my future good. And as long as I try my best, as long as my intentions are good, then God He will forgive my sinfulness. I will deserve God's 
pleasure. I will deserve his ear because I have tried my hardest. But friends, this is foolishness. This is foolishness because even in your best moment, you fall short of perfection. You fall short of the standard of God because we are dead in our sin. We're not just bad in our sin. We are dead in our sin. The whole point is this. The gospel all lines of wisdom in all areas of our lives, including every area that we've discussed in the book of Proverbs, all roads of wisdom lead to Jesus. Because what Jesus can do, he didn't die on the cross to make bad people good. He died on the cross to make dead people alive. Different story. If you think to yourself that by going to church, by being being a Christian, by by belonging to this family, that your bad behavior will become good, you have missed the point of the gospel. Jesus did not make uh, his life on earth and his death and resurrection so that he could improve your behavior. No, he wanted to take your dead soul and breathe life into it so that when we trust in him, when we trust in him, when we, when we choose not to lean on our own wisdom or lean on our own experience, but we submit all of our ways, our thoughts, our desires, our emotions, our future, we submit all of that to him to allow him to make our path straight. Something that we cannot do. Only God through his son Jesus, can save us from death to life and leads us to eternity with him. See, the whole of the Proverbs hinge on that choice. Will you choose to live in the way of wisdom which is to live with the fear and respect and reverence of God? Or will you choose to reject wisdom and live your life without God, trying to do it on your own? That's the whole book of the Proverbs. But it's the same question. It's the same question that lies with you and I today. Will you choose to accept your reality as a sinful person that is spiritually dead and cannot help yourself? Accept the fact that you need to receive the forgiveness of sins, which can only come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Will you choose that surrender? And to put your trust in in God and his son Jesus? Or will you try to live your life without God and try your best to make 
best with what you have and try to either earn your way to heaven or make your own way to God. See, friends, that's the difference between wisdom and foolishness. So when I was in primary school, I grew up in the church. And when I was in primary school, I I think I was probably about 10 years old, um, a preacher um, in his sermon uh, shared this story and it just stuck. And I'll just give you a little bit of a disclaimer. It's a little bit of a dumb story. Okay. And it's okay. Have a laugh at it. That's fine. Okay. So there were two flies, right, that lived in Sydney. And their dream, even from when they were little larvae, was to go and be, make it big in Hollywood. You know, they wanted to go see the sights. They wanted to go see the big Hollywood sign. They wanted to walk down, you know, the, the, the road of stars. I don't even know what it's called. It's funny, I've, we've been to Hollywood twice and we've never gone down that road. We should go. Oh, supposedly it's not safe. To all of our friends that are joining in from LA, I do apologize. We do not want to stereotype you. We love you. We miss you as well. Okay, let's get back to the story. So there's two flies and their goal is to make it to Hollywood, but they live in Sydney. The first fly, he was really motivated. He, he, he started training as flies do. Just go with the story. Um, started watching YouTube clips about how to work out, practicing flying techniques, gliding techniques, right? Studied science books about how, how, how to extend your flight in distances. They studied geography to work out where the winds blew in the Pacific Ocean. You know, ate all the organic foods, um, spent lots of money on that. And then... The day came. The day came and this, this, this first fly was pumped, ready to go. And so the big day came and said, said bye to, to his other fly friend and started to fly from Sydney to LA. Did you know that an average fly, all right, this is a real fact. This is not part of the story now. I had to check this one. According to Google, a fly can fly for up to six hours without resting. That's amazing. So you know that one annoying fly in your house that just keeps flying around? They can do that for six hours. Did that fly get to LA? The answer is not even close. Didn't even get to the Gold Coast fizzled and died. Now the second fly, the second fly wasn't strong. The second fly didn't have big muscles and he knew that he could never make it to LA on his own. He knew he could never fly that distance, didn't have the stamina nor the strength. But he knew there was this thing called an aeroplane. And 
remember this story was, you know, 20 something years ago when we could do international flights. Right, you guys all know, remember what an airplane is, right? So many of us don't even know what that is anymore. You know, airports and stuff. But he knew that if he went to the airport, Kingsford Smith Airport, and got on the right flight, the aeroplane could take him from Sydney all the way to LA. And so he went to the airport, got on a Qantas flight to LA, went and ate in the Qantas lounge, and finally got on the plane, and after a nice 14-hour sleep, made his way to LA, and he made it. I told you this is a dumb story, right? I was in year five, 10 years old, but at that time, it was an amazing story, okay? Changed my life. Silly story, but what's the point? The point is this. What's the wisest thing you can do? What's the wisest thing that you can do in your life? Is it to train hard? Is it to study hard? Is it to earn lots of money? Is it to try to do good works? Is it try to earn your way to heaven? Is it, is it try to make yourself deservable to God? It's not. It's actually to acknowledge, number one, who you are. To have a very real, real idea of who you are, that you are sinful by nature and sinful by action. If you're honest with yourself, you know. You know you are. Think about even the last seven days. Think about how many times you missed the mark of God, let alone your whole life, let alone your future life. God is so holy and God is so perfect that, that God cannot be in the, the, the presence of sin. The life of sin, I don't care if you believe me or not, but the scriptures tell us the life of sin leads to damnation and death, eternal death, and that's what we call hell. It's to firstly understand who you are, but secondly it's to understand who God is and that God is love. God loved you so much that even though you were literally a dead corpse in the river floating to damnation in this life, he sent his one and only son, Jesus. He sacrificed his one and only son, Jesus, to take your place in the death that you deserved. And Jesus died on the cross. His body was broken and the blood was shed. That should have been you. That's what you deserve. And yet, God sent Jesus to die for you so that we then have a choice. And this is the choice of wisdom. All roads of wisdom lead to this choice. Will you trust him and follow him? Will you acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and that is the only way it is the only way that we can have eternity with God, that we can make good with God. Nothing that we do can do that. The only way is an act of God that has been done for us through his son, Jesus. 
And at this point, he's, I'm telling you, if there's any other way, if, if you think or you believe that there is any other way to, to the Father God, whether it's to live a good life or whether it's, you know, you know all religions lead to God. No, that, that's not what the scriptures say. That's you saying it. That's the world saying it. That's blind leading blind. Scripture tells us there's only one way, and it's through Jesus. He says, I'm the truth, I'm the way, and I'm the life. Only through me can we get to the Father. That's wisdom. Isn't that the, the wisest thing to do is to choose life, eternal life? Friends, to do that, you've got to choose Jesus. All roads of wisdom in our life. Doesn't matter what area of your life we're talking about. You want to have, you want to have a great marriage, you've got to take that to Jesus. You, you, you want to have a, a healthy family, you've got to take them to Jesus. You want to have, um, you know, you, you want to make good with your finances, you've got to, you've got to see that through the lens of the gospel. All roads of wisdom in our lives lead to the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Friends, I, I pray that you would have a very real view of yourself. And secondly, that you would have a very real view of God and that you would choose wisely today. That you would choose wisely, that you would make wise decisions in your life today. Because you might not know it and you might not think it, but some of these choices, the one choice to do with Jesus, that's going to go for all of eternity. Please make the right choice. Please make the wise choice. The beginning of all wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Let's pray.